So here's what happened is a proud member of the But Why Though podcast community. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of So Who's Here. So here's what happened. See, I already stumbled, but it's fine. We keep going. Um, <laughs> welcome to another episode, guys. I'm your host, Nisha. And as always, I'm joined by my lovely co-host. Carolyn. Yes. We are back for another month to discuss all the things that we have, well, our top things that we have enjoyed to watch and read. And sometimes they're not even the favorite things. Sometimes there's bad things thrown in. But we're back. That's what's important. So, how you been, Carolyn? I've been living. <laughs> that, is, that is fine. That is a completely fine way to describe our lives right now, I feel like. Yeah, it's, it's like that. It's like, what is it? Um, the great, it was a great expectation that started. So it was the, the best of times, it was the worst. Mm hmm. You know what? I think we're ready. We're. <laughs> if 2020 was a book. I kind of where my brain is at. Yes, but if 2020 was a book that would be the title and it would just be and it would be great expectations everybody was just like all ready for 2020 and had great expectations Mm -hmm. but as as you said it was the best of times and then it was the worst of times so yeah it started the year started off pretty okay like 2019 had its moments and like we were like we did pretty well at the beginning like we, we went I went to um and dance who and Kane and others were preparing for surprise of what we were looking forward to like some of our favorite film come film franchise giving us new films like I was really looking forward to Fast and Furious Night Han coming back for some kind and I was like ah oh, ecstatic and then mm-hmm. COVID-19 but you know what such if there's nothing we can do about it we can just stay as a someone we have to be if we need to and be cautious and that's the simplest thing we can do, but a lot of people are finding that extremely difficult, apparently. But, yeah, to your points, like you said, we had great expectations for this year, but we still have to keep things moving forward, and I just feel like the best way I've been able to cope with all the things going on is just being able to find things that, you know, entertainment, reading, watching, coping, healthily, escapism, these are all things that we do to cope during these times, but also just, like, in normal times. But I think this is a time where people can feel don't feel guilty to veg out on the couch and binge watch an entire season of a show. I know I have done that multiple times in the last two months. But anyways, um, with that, let's just segue on in into books. So I will, if it's okay with you, I'll go first and talk about the manga I recently read. So uh, it is titled Jujutsu Kaisen. It is, of course, a manga. Shocker. I know. Very on brand for me. And <laughs> it's from Viz Media. It's... Uh, it's I'm and again not very much off brand for me either. It is a supernatural thriller. I'm gonna call it horror, um, but it's not as bad as kids being eaten, being eaten by demons. But there are but there are demons in it. <laughs> what is it with these these manga with kids getting eaten? Like, come on now. I mean, I think there's just, it's just it's the it, there's folklore. There's tons of folklore of demons eating children. In Japanese folklore, so I just feel like that has to be it. But it's also just one of those things where I love like the illustrations 
Like, I love folklore. Like, Spirited Away is one of my favorite movies, like, anime movies. Mm -hmm. And I am always just fascinated by Japanese folklore when it comes to demons. Like, how they, like, look so... They just... They're not, like... They don't have horns and a tail. Like, you know, like... Christian demons or, like, whatever. Like, whatever. But it's just, like, they're just so interesting. And there's so many different kinds. And then, like, when you look at, like, modern artists and with manga like they're always just like illustrated very interestingly but sorry my point um the here's the summary yuji itadori is an unnaturally fit high school student living with his grandfather he regularly avoids the track team due to his aversion to athletics and he chooses to join the occult research club um until one day when Yuji meets a student, another student named Megumi Fuji, Fushiguro, a sorcerer, who informs him that his high school has been infested by demons. And that then sets Itadori on another adventure with a bunch of demons in it. So, I mean, again, this is very textbook shounen manga where you have a kid, teenager, who is introduced to some kind of supernatural power or demons and there you go but the interesting part about this is that um in order to help save someone he consumed a part of a demon so then he basically comes becomes possessed and that this results in him basically they they the people like the shamans or as you said the sorcerers society they want to execute him because now he can't go on living as a regular human and he's become contaminated by a demon um but instead they give him the option of if you collect the remaining missing parts of this demon and consume it then we'll execute you so he's living on borrowed time but basically he chooses to do it because he sees it as a way to help people so but that is the, that is the manga, the very rough synopsis of it. Um, I will say there's no, like that, and I um, I recently just wrote a review. I believe it's volume four that'll be on the but why though uh, website, so you guys can read the full review there. But I will say what I really like about this manga is like I know I just talked about like how stereotypical shonen can be, where like you have a young boy or young girl sometimes where they're the main character and they are a very gifted or they have talents or they have this supernatural strength or power hidden within them. And then they are fate. They have to go and save the world. Um, in most shonen, the main character has this immense responsibility on them and they are a child. So again, because shonen is targeted primarily towards youth, um, young readers, pr- primarily boys between the ages of like 12 and 18. And that is why a lot of those characters are in that demographic. However, while this book does kind of fit that mold, what they do do in this is that they treat the kids like kids. And I mean that as, yes, the adults are aware that the children have um, gifted powers and they are going and they are going to be fighting demons and they are in very dangerous situations. But it's not like the adults are just shoving them into the danger or forcing them into it. Um, one of the teachers is very much like, you are a child. I'm the adult here. Your, your safety is my priority. Um and it happens more than a few times where it's like, and it's not done in a demeaning way of like, you're a kid and you have no powers. It's more like, 
I'm the adult. I'm the responsible person. I want you to live a long life. I want you to be happy. I want you to have a youth. I want you to have a childhood that I didn't have because the adults are aware that the children lose their childhood by becoming sorcerers. Like they don't get to have the typical high school experience. They go to a school with other children who are sorcerers and they learn how to fight demons. So they try to give the children the opportunity to still be children. And I think that's good. I mean, it's, it's something that's very, it's not always look, it's not always examined and shown in manga. So I really like, I really enjoyed this volume and it kind of hit the nail on the head with that. Well, yeah, because it seems like from the little bit of manga that I read and like the anime that I've watched and the, all the ones that you talk about, it, mm-hmm. it seems that a lot of them, they do leave the kids like on their own. Yeah. And like, like we, 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 we talk about this and we've talked about this where you're like, where are, all the, where are your parents? Yes. And like, where, where's your, who's your, who's supervising you? Where they're like children just running around rapping, doing all these things and it's like, uh, or there's no adults like taking care of the situation so that's different mm-hmm. but you know the thing that occurred to me like I think one of the reasons like I, I really couldn't I probably like when I was probably the thing reason I couldn't really get into like animes and even though I was an adult um, but I don't I don't watch certain films or read like certain books with like um, extreme like occult um, undertones or themes and like I have watched films with and read and I used to read books about like witches and warlocks and demons and that kind of stuff. Uh, but like, but as I've, I talked about this before, like, I grew up in the Caribbean and and in Barbados and Barbados is very um, is, uh, our society is very influenced by Christianity and also spiritualism. And like we would always say like we don't play with demons. Mm-hmm. And I used to play, read like books, and I read a few anime, and like I used to read like you, not only like Goosebumps, but I mean I used to read like books with like super heavy, like supernatural undertones, right. stuff, and I used to be, like, and I've had experiences, and I'm like, you know what? We don't play with demons. I need to stop reading that kind of stuff. So like sometimes I think the reason I can't get into that, like, some, this this these type of manga is because this guy is so ingrained in me and the experiences that I've had, and even mm-hmm. though as an adult, like I can't watch certain films that have, um, like, that, demons and spiritualism and, like, right. casting spells kind of stuff, because people be like, oh, this is a real, I'm like, to you, but me, who have, who's had experiences where I, like, I've had demons, right. <laughs> like, I've seen demons in my bedrooms, and I've had, like, sleep paralysis because I've had things holding me down, I'm like, I don't play with that, and so it's always interesting to me, like, like when you talk about, like, how it's, like, like reading mangas and knowing about how different cultures are in Japan, they have their culture and like um, things such as like demons and spiritualism is very is very much a part of their culture mm-hmm. and how they and how they use it in entertainment. Like Japan is known for like having some of the best horror films because they 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 have such a, I think because they have such a understanding of like spiritualism and how it is so a part yeah. like, so so much a part of their community and their culture. Mm-hmm. That they're able to export really well in um, in horror films, and, and and that's where like a lot of Western films, like a lot of those themes that makes horror films so so. I guess it was sort of successful in Western culture. Right. A lot of those themes are based on Japanese, even like South Korean and like Indian mm-hmm. and and other ethnic communities based on those kind of spiritualisms, like 
they use them for entertainment. As like, even though in Japan they might use them for entertainment, but it is still much, still very much a part of their culture. They don't mess around with certain things. Right. And I think that's also why I think that's also why it's also such a big part of manga because they they like to look at the darkest side of humanity and like the darkest mm-hmm. parts of and of, of our psyches. And like when you talk about like a man who devours a, a demon or half of a demon to save someone, like for me, I would be like, <laughs> right, <laughs> you did what? Like for me, that would be like to read and just read it. I'd be like, ah, I, I get like, like I get like goosebumps like stop reading that. But it's still very interesting to to watch and to see how to do it. But mm-hmm. and I see this as a, as a as a horror fan. But again, right. certain things that I just don't watch. Oh no, I get it. I mean, like there's I we have we all have like you know our preferences and our boundaries when it comes to entertainment. Like I'm. Body horror is one that like it, I have a I have a certain threshold for it, but once it gets to that point, I have to like nope, I back away. Like I just can't I can't do all body yeah, horror. Yeah, me too. Yeah, and like we'll we'll have to like have like a deeper discussion on that one day because I think I think body horror is fascinating, but it is also just one of those things. Yeah, like, I can't do it. I can't I can't do films like it was, I think it's what Human Centipede or those mm, nope. gross parts. Can't there do such no soft. Yeah, no. That's like that's my limit. I can't do human centipede. I did it once, never again. Um <laughs> But yeah, no, and I think so no, I think what you said was like a r- really great point about how Japanese culture definitely leans into um like, you know, mythology and like yeah, I think that's the reason why they do a really good job with this kind of genre, especially like with thrillers and suspense. And I enjoy. It's like this is a relatively new manga. Again, like this is on Viz is is publishing volume four of it. I'm interested to see where else it goes. I think the biggest thing that just pulls me into is like what I said earlier is that the adults recognize the children are children, and it is it's a nice. It's a ref, it doesn't break the shonen mold, but it is a refreshing thing to see in the shonen like genre so I'm, yeah. I'm excited to see where it goes I mean like I can guess we're like the boy's gonna get stronger and face more danger but I do like that the that the adults care about him so uh, what about you did you read anything for this month uh no I did not read anything but there's because I tried ordering stuff online through like to read on like through the Toronto Public Library and I've been having problems getting the books but there is a book that I do want to get or it's a book series that my sister um started me um that my sister recommended called Noss and Quotes and it's a British it was written by um this black lady in Britain and it is actually recommended reading at reading so I'm going to talk about that next month if I, I'm going to have to order it on Amazon nice. and so, but I'm gonna have to do it all my reading for that. I'm not gonna order like the book for shippers, you know, try to make work like for the workers. But I'm gonna, I can't get it through the library. So the only thing I can do is order it on Amazon. So that's what I'm gonna do for hopefully for next month. But I haven't read anything this month. Gotcha. No, though I look forward to hearing about that one then because it sounds interesting. Um, then let's get on over to TV. What have you been watching in TV? As usual, I've been watching my dramas. Mm-hmm. I've been watching a few um, Chinese dramas. Uh, they have been a few key dramas that have come out. Like, there's a ones I've been watching Rugal, but this one is like a little bit uneven. Uh, one of the best shows that came out is one 
called Nobody Knows. That show is devastating, but it's so, so good. Mm-hmm. And another one that finished recently was Memories. And then there is also a piece of your mind. But I'm talking about a K-drama today. I'm actually going to talk about a Chinese drama. Mm. And it's uh, so it's a C-drama, but it's a um, murder mystery kind of C-drama. So this one is on Netflix. So it's one that everyone can watch. And it's called The Victims Game. So mm. the synopsis is, after discovering his estranged daughter's link to Miss Murders, a forensic detective syndrome everything to solve the case. Now, the reason I wanted to talk about this particular Chinese drama is because uh, I'm a fan of, like, and uh, especially, like, Asian, but you guys know that. But, like, I find Chinese murder mysteries and, like, their procedural shows are and they, they have to me up and really feel that and more drama um, crime dramas but this one is really good because there's very few Asian dramas and that I've seen with uh, neurodivergent like mm-hmm. so uh, this Chang Xiaoshun uh, so he has Asperger's Syndrome so Asperger's Syndrome is uh, on the spectrum to mm. autism different and I, I thought it was really interesting the way how they portrayed this character. So I did. I do know someone who is on a spectrum, and he's and we spoke briefly, and he was saying that he he liked how this character was put. There were some points where he was like, "It's not completely accurate," or he thought it wasn't that like as well as it could have been. Like some reactions that the the character had to certain situations, but he overall really enjoyed the series. And I really enjoyed it too. It was really well written. The plot is kind of similar to if you've seen the Japanese show called Miss Sherlock. So that is a Mm. Japanese adaptation of the Sherlock Holmes' mystery. And so the main plot of the show is based on one of the plots. Well, to me anyway, because it's very similar, based on one of the plots that's very similar to an episode from Miss Sherlock. And so the main, um, so I don't want to give too many spoilers, but... I think it's like kind of it's like once we get into the show it's like kind of easy to follow the plot but it also has like a lot of twists and turns mm-hmm. especially when, and, and it, what makes this really different is usually in um, Asian crime dramas usually when the main protagonist the detective they're similar female they always for some reason have some main connection some connection to the main overall villain so like you might have one you have bottle episodes which is like based on like um, really like they try to but solve different crimes but then usually crimes ended end up linking into one big um plot and usually in asian crime dramas like the detective always for some reason has a make a connection to the main villain and the difference with this one is is his daughter and so he, she's not you don't know if she's a villain or not but it's interesting watching this this man he's a police officer he's a forensic detective and he's mm-hmm. finding all of these clues and he knows he can't destroy evidence, but he's trained and he, but he's hiding and he's concealing and he's taking, or he's, and he's like connecting all of these dots right. before his, before the team can, so he can, cause he's trying to is my daughter a killer? Like, how is she involved in this? Mm. And it's interesting trying to watch this, this man, um, Jen, like he, because of his, his, um, because of his Asperger's, he can't, he, he gets frustrated easily or he, he like people don't understand him and he and it's interesting watching him 
trying to find this connection with his estranged daughter. Also, these challenges that he has as a neurodivergent person mm-hmm. working in this field where he has to be extremely meticulous, but he's also trained to conceive all of this information from the people that he works with. And the thing, reason this is interesting is because even though he is naturally reserved because of his condition, the thing is, is he's also a very blunt person. Like, he's very straightforward. If you ask him something, he'll tell, give you uh, the answer whether you, and he doesn't think about whether it's going to offend you or not. But because he, everything, he, he has to be so careful with what he's saying. It's interesting watching him try, like, deal deal with this new situation. But the other thing that really does bother me with this, 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 this show, and it's a show in general, whether you have, it's Asian or Western or whatever, where they have a, a lead or a character who's neurodivergent, mm-hmm. is people know that he has Asperger's, but it's like, they haven't learned, in, they haven't learned enough about the condition to like, try to understand him and work with him. Mm. And they, and a, a lot of everything is boiled down to him being aware. And that's the thing that still frustrates me, is like, like I'm like, because of my, I would I'm considered to be like neurodivergent in the fact like um with like uh, like my process and like reactions and stuff that I do like and but I'm very like high functioning as my doctor would put it. Mm-hmm. It does frustrate me to see like Western Western or Asian or whoever like when they're depicting these kind of characters that you have the support characters they don't try to understand these people right it's like oh he's weird oh he's rude and like, they know he has Asperger's. Right, but they don't know. They don't take enough time to discover. Okay, how does this condition affect him? Like the reason he's like this is not because he's being rude or dismissive or not, but this is just how he relates to people, and they don't try to understand it. Right, and that frustrates me. I'm like, it's 2020, people. Like, can we have characters and one is like, okay, so this is how he is. And I will say the one thing with the Vegas games is there is a character that is like that, and she's an investigative journalist, um, played by Hugh Ning. So this investigative uh, the journalist, uh, Haini, she's the only person that, even though she doesn't as Asperger, she knows she notices right away that okay he's different, and mm-hmm. she gives him space. She doesn't say anything about his behavior or whatever. Like when he gets frustrated, she gives him space, and she doesn't. She just let if he gets frustrated, and he starts to like not break down, but like he gets like he starts to like you know what I mean, like physically like become uncomfortable like she gets in space she lets right. him do his and then she be like okay you ready now i guess back to the to what's going on mm. and she's asked i i like that about that character don't make she frustrating me the first few episodes because i was like please don't be a bitch mm-hmm. and, and she kind of was a bitch in the first few episodes i'm like <laughs> please don't be a bitchy character but she grew on me and i like she interacted with him and everything but i do wish that writers and directors and like when you have these characters yes we did your research and whatever because you have to you have to do your research to, to write how the character can respond to situations or whatever but you also need to do research for how people respond to these characters too you have to show like there they, there's supposed to be like it's 2020 and you need to have society be more acceptable and understanding of these characters right it, 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 so it's like right. you know, these officers they're detectives they work with him so no one's gonna go on, go and Google. Okay, Asperger's. How does this person function? And they're mm. not gonna try to understand. I, I would love for a writer to have these characters to have the, the supporting characters actually be supportive 
of the main character or whoever is whether it's a, the 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 main character or another sub character and there's right. only a couple other dramas that I've seen where it has been done really well. One is that's okay, it's love, where they talk about mental illness and a lot of the characters are very supportive of other characters who have whether they're neurodivergent or they have mental illness and they, they are very supportive of the characters that they try to understand. And another one is called This is my first where it's hinted that the main character is either autistic or or have, and people and the, the characters they know is like they they write they, they, for as a viewer it's never told to us what he had mm-hmm. the other characters in the show but they don't really say anything about it but they accept him and they, they accommodate him and they they were like okay so this is how he is and they and they just ask they just let him be like right. You know what I mean? Like there are things that has where you're like, this is like there are things where you're like, what are you doing, dude? But it has nothing to start to do with whether he's under their bridge or not. It's just anyone that has to be like, what is going on here? Right. So, but I just just like those two wish that they would brothers of someone they just take more care with how with educating viewers. Because if you educate mm-hmm. the characters in a show, it's a way to educate the Right. No, I agree. I think that's a really great point. No, I was just saying that's a really great point of, like, there's an opportunity to teach the audience um, how to interact with characters like this. And, I mean, it would also show maybe, like, some more... um, It would make it more genuine, I think, also. Because, and I don't know if this is a thing, but maybe this is something that, like, even in the real world, when you have someone who is neurodivergent, is there some, like, does HR, like, prepare the employees? Is there, like, some kind of, like, training that people should be doing in those situations so that they know how, one, like, I think it also, like, it's an opportunity to educate people. Cause I can't, I can't say like, I've never gone through that any kind of training like that, but I do, I have to assume like there is like, there's title, we have title nine training here. We're like for people who have disabilities, we, you have to like do this training and be aware of that. Everyone has different abilities and disabilities and like you like in order to be, I mean, any company needs to abide by these rules. So I would also feel like maybe that's just an opportunity in the future. If a show were to like have a neurodivergent character, maybe like have someone who, I, I don't know, consult a professional who teach, who works with neurodivergent people, like in a HR uh, capacity. Because I think that like having a scene like that could open up eyes for other people. Cause I don't know, I don't know. I mean, like when I think about, I mean, I've, cause I've seen shows too. Like you have, um, like, do you remember Bones? Um, the show with, yeah, so with David Borinez and, um, I feel bad now. I remember her name, Emily Deschanel. So, um, apparently like they would always say that Bones, like some, there was some people who said that Bones was on the spectrum. Like she was neurodivergent, but there was, uh, but Zach, I think he was the intern. That was maybe like a slightly more, like they were very similar, but like his, like with his case, like he was very much on the spectrum of being neurodivergent. Like they brought that up about him a lot. And I think it was a good character, but when you think about it, and as much as like I I, I hate quitted I rage quitted bones, um, looking back I on it, I got fed up with it, oh yeah, we all got fed up with it, and that's that's a discussion for another day. But looking back on it, they probably could have done more with his character because we know how that ended up with him, and it just mm. ugh, that could have been an opportunity to do more. I mean, I like that they would bring up that about him, like people they would recognize that Zach would 
like Zach did, wasn't well like in certain social because like he's a brilliant brilliant student but there were some that there were some things that he was on the spectrum with um but yeah I think moving forward like I don't think there's anything wrong with challenging people to do that kind of writing like to make it more intentional Right, because the thing is, is like, okay, so like the most recent and probably popular character is the character from The Good Doctor. So like oh, we yeah. all know the, the CBS show, mm-hmm. the US show is based on the Korean show. So I haven't watched the Korean show as yet, but I've watched this, the US show. Yeah. First, watched the first couple of seasons. And that, a lot of people praise that show for being like very, um, the way it portrays character because the main character, Sean, is autistic. I mean, he's like, he's, He's he's uh, what you call a savant in the fact in how mm-hmm. he would tell his his um his autism allows him to I swear I don't want to say success but you know it um, understands right. anatomy and medicine and that kind of stuff but the thing uh, that that has always bothered me with how Western um, Western media portrays people on the spectrum is it's always about the people who are on the spectrum having to adjust. To society, right? It's always mm-hmm. about them having to operate in these spaces with other people right. who are not neurodivergent, and and it's always about people who are like Sean, who are like savants, and like everyone on the spectrum is not savant. Right? You know what I mean? Like they always show like the ones who are extremely super smart. And they're mm-hmm. like, really never like a lot of people on the spectrum are like that because of how their condition of loss and to assess it and memory and like mm-hmm. work whatever. But everyone that's on the spectrum is not a savant. And if I work with kids who are like, I, I work and every year we have to train um, to work with kids who are on the spectrum, whether they're highly functioning or not. Right. And the thing is that, like, we always, we are all, the things is that a lot of people are always focusing on, on the kids and whether they're children or not, or adults who are on the spectrum, is they have to learn to adjust the society. They have to learn to fit into quote unquote normal society. But it's that I would like to show, show normal society learning to adjust to them. Right. And one of the things we do, like, at my school where we work at, when we have kids who are on the spectrum, Mm-hmm. Um, and and we when we're working with them, we also work with the students to make to show the students how they have to learn to interact with them and how they can help them navigate society. Right? If they if one of the kids has like a a meltdown, as you would call it, on like the playground, we teach we teach we, we control that situation, but we also teach the kids around how to observe, how not to make fun of them, and to understand that this is something that they can't control, and you know to be like understanding. And that's something I would love to see in a show with adults show the adults understanding what's going on with these characters right and and it's as i said this is just something i we're 2020 and like i have it to see it but where they actually explore this really well and show people making a concerted effort to understand people who are neurodiverse but uh mm-hmm. even on, off on this whole thing but again that's one it's a really good show because it's on netflix and I would recommend it for everyone. It's um eight episodes. Yes. Uh, so so it's, you can get to it in like a or a day and a half, depending if you're a binge watcher or not. But it's really good. It's not action packed, but it's it's really good murder mystery. Plot has a lot of twists and turns. Some things you see coming, but it's the way that they unfold. Um that could have that worked really well and there is something with regards to what happens at the end that works towards what i'm saying with people understanding how these characters are how these people are mm-hmm. because there's something at the end it was like if she had understood this would any of this have happened mm-hmm. and, and so it's interesting to see that be explored but i would think 
if they, oh, no, I can't say that because that'd be a spoiler. Yeah. Uh, nice. So yeah, I would recommend it. Okay, I will so definitely what, check that out. What's your TV show? Um, so my TV show is Insecure. Um, I don't know. Uh, yes. Yes. Season. This what we in season four. Yep, season four after a year long hiatus between season three and now. Uh, I'm just like I love this show for many reasons. I'm so glad it's back. Uh, I think I've talked about Insecure before, also on the on this on this podcast, but like. Yeah, I, I probably did the, yeah, a while ago, for sure. But yeah, like, Summary is a show about, it's it's centered on Issa D. she's the main character, and her best friend Molly, and it's just really about the lives of two modern-day Black women and how they operate in their worlds. Like, you know, one of them is a lawyer who has it all going on, and her career is going great, but her love life isn't that great. But then you have Issa, who was in a relationship, drama happened there, blah, blah, blah. Y'all can go watch it if you have never seen it, but go watch it because it's great. But then Issa on the other end is like the, the she's in this moment in her life where she just kind of like find really finding herself. And I think that and the whole point of the show is like insecurity. Like in like you have your great moments, like when you're killing it and you feel like everything's going great, but then it's also even when everything seems like it's going great in your life, you still have your insecure moments. Like that's just like a gist like summary of it all um Mm -hmm. but i just i can't and i it's because like i've been following the show for so long but like it's just so nice to see a show like this where yes you have isa and molly and they're great representation for black women but like and that's like a, a huge thing for me to see black women dating on a show like being like being wooed after and being wanted like dark skinned black women and then also this them living out their lives is like going through different moments in their lives like you know with friendships like as we get older our friendships evolve and change like someone gets married someone has a baby um someone you have career changes like stuff like that and oh no you're fine bless you um and it's like I don't know. Again, as I get older now, I'm like, I'm 28 and I watch this show and I love it. It's like, it's nice to be able to like feel, I feel what those characters feel in those moments. Like whether it's something they're going on with their lives with dating, um, if it's going on with their career lives, like where you just kind of like feel stuck in the career that you're in, or do you feel stuck in your life? Like, is there something missing? Are you really pursuing the thing that you want to pursue? And it's really good. But like this season specifically, what I wanted to talk about was that, so the show's been on for four seasons. It came back after a year-long hiatus, after the third season last year. And this season has really been dialed in on Issa and Molly's friendship. And mm-hmm. it's really been, it's hitting on, like, communication is key when it comes to friendships. I mean, I've, I've yes. always believed that. And they are really getting at this, because I think the problem with Issa and Molly that we've all come to see now at this point is that they have a problem with communicating. Like, they don't... Oh, do they ever? Right. They don't communicate at all. At all. Because they they just kind of, like, they've... This is how... Like, it almost makes you want to see what their friendship looked like before the show started. Like, yes, they show, yeah. they show, they show up for each other. They love one another. They support one another. But, like... When your friend says something shady and like it, that might like hit a chord with you and it hurts you. That's when you need to be able to feel comfortable enough. Like, Hey man, that actually kind of hurt. Like, Mm -hmm. let's talk about this. 
because like the way you came at my came at me made me feel like you coming at my neck like you really are trying to put me down because like and in this season people are like team molly or team isa i'm like i'm team both of them need to get their shit together because me too girl (laughs) right it's it's a mess like while i can see both sides have some valid points and i may lean a little bit towards isa i will not act like that isa is innocent and how she talks to molly or treats molly's problems like and i think my biggest problem with molly is molly always made it seem is trying to make it seem like isa is the messiest person ever but molly has her own mess too so it's like Y'all aren't, per- neither of y'all are perfect, but y'all both coming at each other's necks. And it's just, man, so much drama. But I think that's the, again, the point of the show is to show like, these are two women who are like in their 30s now. I think, yeah, they're both in their like young 30s, uh, early. I think they're both actually just 30. But the point is like, it's showing how friendships change. And I think, I, I don't know. I don't know anybody who can't relate to what's going on in the show right now with Issa and Molly where like you know you have a friend that you love and you trust who's always been who's been there with you for years but like have you ever just not said what's really on your mind versus like would you rather just not say anything at all like if, if something if somebody said something so hurtful to you and it hurts you and it ma- like it makes you feel insecure about yourself but you're not going to talk about it I've just really enjoyed this season because I think it's taken us like it's a culmination of the first three seasons like we could all look back and watch like the first three seasons and you could see probably where the seeds of distrust not distrust where like where it just all started to like kind of pop up between them like but things were never truly resolved with them like certain things I mean like and I, I would say like maybe the first season was when like you saw that them have their first real fight and the second and the third season Molly and Issa didn't really like have these issues until like towards the end of the third season but like this has been a culmination of like building up and they have never truly just talked about it where it's like Issa is coming at Molly about like oh maybe you'll run off your boyfriend if you come on too strong like oh Molly did and like yeah that shit's hard that's hurtful and Molly should be able to say that's hurtful but then molly is on the other end talking to Issa about like why you you know your life doesn't have to be this messy right acting like she her life has not ever been messy but the thing is yeah the thing is both of them they make their more messy than used to be the thing is they don't communicate with each other or with the other Mm -hmm. guys and that's the biggest issue with these two characters yeah like Exactly. Issa is finally getting her shit together professionally, but yes, they, her and her relationship with Molly is falling apart because I don't think a lot of people don't realize is the effort you put into like a romantic relationship, you have to put into a friendship too. Yes, you have to work on communicating. You have to spend time together. And like this season is sitting me really because that this happened to me like a couple years ago with mm. a friend or an ex friend. I don't know. Like we had a broken breakup, and I was devastated because something but like this is I this is when I was sick I was starting to go through one of my first major mm-hmm. um, one of my fr- a, a relapse and I was helping her with her kids and whatever and like she didn't seem to understand she wasn't being uh, understanding of like how tired I was and, and whatever right I, like, I love you I love your kids but like you're not helping me I'm like I need you to help me help right. look after your kids it's not reciprocal there are things that she was supposed to do and i thought she was being irresponsible or being Mm -hmm. um um, just being lazy about certain things and i'm like you're not i'm like you're not helping me and you're not helping situation bad for all right everyone involved and and then it got to the point she was like well if you can't do this for me then how about you just stop being my friend and i was like what yep 
how did you go from zero to like yep. two seconds flat? I was like, this, I'm like, this is not. I'm not saying I want to be afraid. I'm like, I'm trying to ask you to be understanding and to be and to like talk. I'm like, we need to talk this out. And instead of talking, she just she was just like, okay, well, how about we end this? I'm like, that's how you're gonna do it. As devastated, mm. and it's like it's it's hard watching these two women do the same because like just talk, sit down and talk to each other mm-hmm. and 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 like there's the jealousy on i honestly believe like um molly is jealous of isa like she's isa's finally found her footing yep. she's finally making strides in her career and what she wants to do and i think molly is jealous of that and molly is like you know what i mean i think molly's one school that she was like she thought she had something over isa because she was professionally mm-hmm. solid like she's a lawyer working in this big firm she's making all this money she was the she successful friend who is introduced her to and she's like mm-hmm. now she's seeing it's a starting to get her life together molly can't handle that right and right and but then there's also a whole thing with this is like she doesn't talk to molly when they need to talk, she makes up both of them made these offhand comments and yep. then they try to laugh. I'm like, he, he, he wasn't that funny. It's like, no, shit, that was not because that really was an insensitive thing for both of them to say. And they're, they're honest with each other, right? Right. And so it's kind of, it's it's really good writing, but it's also really frustrating to see happen. Yeah. But also, that's like the season has been really good, but it's also, it, it sucks and it hurts. See. This relation, this this season is basically about the as you said, the insecurities of a friendship and the mm-hmm. insecurities of a friendship, and it really is, it really is like hard to see this this season. It's not perfect because a, a couple things have happened with the side characters, like um, oh yeah, I want to see more with the side characters. With, there's the discussion with the oh my, I never remember his name, but with Lawrence. Uh, and the husband with the guy who just Dare. had a baby and yeah. that discussion over the crib was super disturbing to me. I was like, whoever thought this was baby needed to go, go back to the drawing board because this in it. Um, but yeah, but it's 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 not it's a not a perfect season, but it's like I, I kind of, it's interesting to see how they're doing this the evolution of a friendship. Yeah, and I mean like talking speaking of the side characters, I think like that's something I would also like to explore. But granted, it's like a thirty minute show, and like it is really supposed to be focused on like Issa and Molly, but. Like, we can tell that Tiffany in the last episode is dealing with some postpartum de- depression. Um, I do also, I do also wonder about, um, Kelly, the other friend. I'm just like, she's just like always, like, she's there for everybody. I would say, like, she checks in and, like, she's the funny one. But then, like, I'm almost just like, I think last season was like the most we really got out of, like, deeper look at Kelly, where, like, she was concerned about losing her best friend. So now it's kind of shifted. Where, like, last year, Issa and Molly were looking at them like, oh, are they going to still be friends? Are they going to still be best friends after the baby comes? Where it's now like, oh, look, look, the shoe's on the other foot. We're like, are y'all even best friends still? Because you don't, you can't tell the what with the way y'all talk to one another, and I mean, yeah. it's just, and I agree with you. It, it's it's great. I want like she's mm-hmm. a really good character. Yeah, I think I really agree with that. I agree with that, and it's just like I'm excited to see where we go for the rest of the season with this. I feel like there has to be some kind of resolution. They have to talk, but I don't think that's going to come until the end of the season. Um, and it's just, it's. 
it seems small and petty, but I think small and petty things build up over time. And I was just going to say, like, I'm interested to see where the rest of the season goes because, like, I believe we're getting 10 episodes a season instead of eight. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. I think they will have a resolution, but I mean, I don't know. They could leave us with them not being friends anymore. But I do I don't want that to happen. But I do want them to talk and get their shit together. So Oh me me too. Because the thing is just um like at the beginning of the last episode, which was episode four, um, Issa is wearing this shirt. Um, it's a wedding SL shirt. And I'm like, please let this be a sign that all of this term that we're seeing now is gonna get started and end up. We're gonna see our girls um happy right and be like you know what the we may have problems in our relationship we may have problems at work but we're always still gonna have our girls and i'm like please let that be a sign let that be foreshadowing that we're gonna have a waiting to exhale moment where everyone is sitting down at the end drinking my listening to good music and just being friends again i it would i would wait for the season to end with molly and Issa broken up but sooner fact we might not get another season for like more than a year now because of covid i'm right. like nah we need to end on a high I do need a high note. I I really do. And I just like, we just want to see our girls happy. Like, I'm happy for them. Like I said earlier, I'm like, Molly is that friend who, in my opinion, was happy as long as she was the most successful friend. And and then, like, with Issa, she just realized, I don't have to put up with you in this mess. But then Issa came at Molly's neck. So we'll see. We, like, we're going to have, we're just going to have to have, like, an insecure post-season review episode. Because... There's so much to unpack. It's, it's just not possible to do it all in this episode. But anyways, mm-hmm. with that, let's segue on into movies. Um, what you got? You're right. And so my movie is a Korean film mm. called Time to Hunt. So this came out recently on Netflix. And um, it's a... Uh, what do I... I, it's a career action mystery Ooh. and it's a lot <laughs> um but it stars um uh it stars uh he 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 is um he, he plays as the lead um jump sook and he is uh he was in one of the most famous k-dramas ever signal mm. Uh, which is also fixed. Um, it also stars uh, Trey Wushi, which everyone knows, who everyone knows from Parasite and Oka, and um, he's like a really, he's such an actor and he plays a character called Kiun and then and another, the other two characters are played by An Jae-hong, who plays Jang Ho and An Jae-hong, he's actually, he's actually a writer and a screenwriter. Um, for for he's also a, sorry he's also an actor and a screenwriter so he writes as well as acts and he was also in one of my favorite K dramas of last year which I actually wrote about and I've spoken about on here called Be Melodramatic oh, he's so good and mm-hmm. the other main actor so there's four main characters um, the fourth one is Park Jung Min who's played by Sang who's played who plays a character called Sang Hoon. So the premise of this is, in the near future, a financial crisis will hit Korea and slums. From those areas, a group of young people commit crime to survive. The four main, four main male characters. And so what happens is, John Suk, who's played by Lee Junong, he comes out after serving three years in prison. Mm-hmm. And he, he comes out 
like the world is it's not a dystopian world per se it's just like just think of it's like world kind of like finance like there are the countries like finance is on the brink of financial um bank financial ruin okay. they're just on the cusp of like a, a, a complete financial collapse in the country so it's not strictly dystopian they still have businesses are still operating and like people and you know what I mean? it's not like right. complete chaos which i think is an interesting space to have because we for these kind of films is that you would have like either like everyone that like everything is fine or like the or it's like fully dystopian where like after everything has happened in the world is like like reach the theater collapse it's just on the cusp so it's a really interesting place to set it mm-hmm. and um so like the thing with this character is he serves his time he comes out he sees his friends and he he realizes okay so the world has not improved while i was in prison because he serves three years he says it's not improved it's not it hasn't improved but it hasn't gotten extremely worse either mm-hmm. and he decides to rob uh yeah, uh, illegal gambling then oh that already is a bad idea that's a terrible already idea. A bad idea oh yeah terrible idea mm-hmm. convinces his three friends to help him commit this robbery and and, and you kind of understand why because they're like the they're like we need something better they want something better but it's mainly about him he's driving them he's convincing them that this is what needs to be done and you feel like he's being super selfish and he's not thinking about what could happen to them but then you but they are but they but these 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 four friends are so loyal to each other and they understand each other so what they're like we understand and we're gonna help achieve your dream because it's like i'm you're to help you achieve your dreams are gonna help me achieve dream too and and but this thing turns in from this show this film turns has so many what's the word elements to it and it's a it's about yes heist them planning this heist mm-hmm. and how they're gonna execute this heist but it turns into this this story is it, it turns into this uh this thriller where it's this character they're being hunted by this guy who who is hired by the casino by the gap by the guys who run the casino to find them and hunt them down and it it becomes so tense and the pace for this film is it, there are some moments where it feels like it begins to drag but i feel that's purposeful because it's the way how they're they there's this character you don't really see him but you feel like he's hunting you as well as as well as these four guys mm-hmm. and you're just like where the hell is this dude and it's i love when you have a character that even when he revealed, it doesn't take anything away from the tension because you know that can happen where you can have a film where it's like you have this elusive character, you, you like they're this unknown presence, and you feel, and they're, they're, the lack of showing them is makes it more terrifying. Kind of like Jaws, actually. Not I think okay. it's kind of like Jaws. Like we know the shark is there, right? Like we know the shark is just under the surface hunting these men, and it doesn't become any less terrifying when you see him. And this character, this 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 assistant who's hunting him, is like that. He's like Jaws. He's like he's a he could be around any corner and I, even when you see him he doesn't become any terrifying because it's like you're a psycho like and it's like you like mm-hmm. you need to die because you're stressing me out like I he, like this film this film actually stressed me out at some point so it was like wow this is super intense I would have loved to see and to say how people would react to this film but it, it has a couple other elements and then it is also very heartfelt film because it talks about this French 
these these four boys wanting something better for themselves and 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 just you know wanting to see beyond what what is possible for them and like they they want something better than what the world's offering them now and it's a really good film i really enjoy it the acting is like really well done the pacing as i said is it feels slow in some parts but i think that's on purpose mm-hmm. and it has really interesting um cinematography the cinematography is really well done nice and um it is written let me so it's written. Oh my gosh! Sorry, my page shut down. No, you're good. We can always include it. So in it's the notes. direct. Oh, there you go. Yeah, it's directed by Sung Eun, and and it's written by him as well. And I really enjoy this film. I, I was supposed to write a review for it, but then I got sick and I literally mm-hmm. physically could not write. Um, but I want. I I might end up writing a review about it because it, it it's a really interesting film. And um. It's, it's it's such a it's a really good film. Like if you like films that have a lot of tension and right. like action, and if you just like mm-hmm. suspense, I think it's it's a film that a lot of people will really enjoy. Nice. Well, you know I love me a good action suspense movie, so I'm gonna have to check that one out also. Um, oh yeah. Oh wait. Oh wait. The director also and the things the director also edited. The film. So he directed, wrote, and mm. edited, and he does this for a lot of his films too. He writes, directs, and edits, and even the cinematography and produces the film. So like he's just all around triple threat. <laughs> yeah, no, that's awesome. Triple threat creative. I like it. Um, mm-hmm. Dope. I'm down. That is not, that definitely sounds like something I can watch because Lord knows I need something new to watch during this time. Um, yeah, I, it's been kind of hard to find new things. You know, like Netflix yes. is part of new things. It's like some things have not been catching my interest. I found like even with the K dramas, like what have I've been watching ones that I've seen before. Mm-hmm. I think it's 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 just like I just haven't felt it's like. It's the kind of thing where it's like finding the energy to watch something new. It's yes. like, oh my god, I have to spend this energy on this unknown story. Like, mm-hmm. will these characters be strict? But when I watch something that I've seen before, I know yep. what's going to happen, but it doesn't take away the enjoyment. I've been watching a lot of political mm-hmm. and um, medical dramas. I've been watching a lot of, re watching some medical dramas. I've watched a few a few new ones, but ones that I haven't seen before. Right. But I've been watching Romantic Dr. Kim. I, ooh, another one, another new one is currently showing on Netflix. It's called Hospital Playlist. That one is really funny, but it has some really intense emotional moments too that have literally mm. made me cry. I'm like, oh my God. I added that, that one to my queue. So no, I, I yeah. No, I added that I added that one to my queue, so I'm excited to see that one. Um yeah, but you kinda hit it on the nail. It's like I'm calling it entertainment fatigue because like that it encompasses everything. But like when you just like and I get it, like these this is a very first world problem, but it I think it's very normal for us, especially during this time where we have all this extra where some people have a lot of extra time on their hands. And it's very easy to just like, God, I really want to read this book. But then like you start reading it and you get tired of reading that book, even if it's good, or you get tired of a show, or you get tired or you don't even want to watch a movie. And I think that is it's I'm calling it entertainment fatigue because is real like I have a whole laundry list of anime I could be watching at this time but it's like I'm also working from home so I don't want to play it when I'm working from home because I need to be focusing on work but then I'm too tired after work to watch it like sometimes sometimes it's easier to just watch something that you've watched before so you can just soak like you don't have to expend too much energy on it but that I was going to say that because that's how I felt with movies lately granted like yeah nothing new is coming out to theaters everything is either coming to our homes 
or it's going to be released on Netflix or Hulu or somewhere else. So for me, I watched a Netflix original movie called The Willoughbys. Um, mm. It is it, so. The summary is neglected by their parents. Four old-fashioned siblings venture out into the modern world with their new nanny. And the thing that got me to watch this is Maya Rudolph because again, I love Maya Rudolph being a voice actor in anything. I love Maya Rudolph in honestly anything. But it's it's a it's a cute family, you know, movie. Like it's it, it's it's very much one of those like a series of unfortunate events vibes. Where, like, the kids aren't... The parents are terrible to their children. Like, when they say they neglected them, like, no. The parents had four children, and they neglect them. And they're just like, you eat the leftovers. We eat first. And, the par- and like, the parents and the kids are like, but we're hungry. And she's like, we well, have to wait till there's leftovers. And they're like, you didn't leave any leftovers for a week. And, like, the joke is that the parents are just so... They, they love each other so much, they don't have any love left over for their children. Um, they just got kids girl that's again i was wondering the same thing why would you have more kids but apparently they just like even when the baby showed up and again this is a cartoon so they're just meant to be terrible terrible people like terrible terrible parents and they're like the baby's like mother what's that i think it's a baby and then they just toss the baby in the hall and the baby starts crawling around it's just the parents are terrible so and this is apparently this is a based off of a book but I think it's very much one of those like about found it's a no not I think it is very much one of those things about found family where um, the family you get may not be the family that you want at, at certain times but you can always find family somehow like what like that's kind of the lesson in it um and again Maya Rudolph makes my day whenever she's a voice actress in anything um I found it enjoyable it was just I really have no idea what else to watch I know there are other things I have not watched all of Netflix yet but I need to just sit down and look through my catalog and find something but for now this was nice and I did not have to I did not have to put too much energy into watching it so I enjoyed it. Mm. Yeah, I, th- I think that's the thing. It's like we 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 want something that isn't that we don't have to put too much energy in watching, but also isn't gonna take too much energy out of us after watching it. Um, right. So that's why there's certain things I just like watching certain. Even like, there is Amon Signal, which is a really good drama. I start. I got six episodes in, and I was just like, I need a break. Right. Which is, which is rare for me. It's very rare that I that I, I feel. That I don't get, especially for drama that I'm really enjoying. It, I just feel like oh, I'm thing but I think because of the theme, because it has like a lot of it's about murder and whatever. It's just mm-hmm. like, I do not have the mental capacity to process the storyline right now. I'm gonna go yep. watch. I, so I'm gonna go watch a variety show or a, a, a romantic drama, which which is because it's a kid drama and have angst and, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And even like the game is about murder and whatever. Is is it's it's about the it's like what it takes for me emotionally. Like I can watch. Yeah. without getting like super emotionally invested but for a show thing I found it was getting emotionally invested I'm like I do not have the energy to spend upon you like I'm sick yeah I want entertainment and I don't need that I don't want it and emotional or mental energy yep. in this story like I will watch something else you are literally describing why I choose animal documentaries mainly because I love learning about animals but also because I can just let my brain soak up I don't have to do anything. I could just like learn about why koalas are koalas, or there you go. like, and that's all I need sometimes because 
we're in, and again, we're in weird times. Watch what, mm. watch and read whatever you want that makes you feel good and gives you the escapism that you need. But, or, or be like me and order shoes online, like where I have nowhere to go and my ordering shoes. <laughs> Girl, listen, the deals. The deals. I know. I got two pair of Adidas. So, <laughs> got nowhere I, to wear, wear I, them but outside and then back I, inside. I, I know. My sister ordered two pair of shoes. I came. I ordered a pair of shoes, a pair of sneakers, and a bag that match. I came. And this week I ordered uh, another a pair of shoes, sneakers, and a bag to match. And a pair of literally looking at the website, I'm like, do I order these shoes? Mm. That are on sale for thirteen dollars US. No, it's eleven dollars US. I'm like, you're up with these. Yes. And the bag to I'm like, yes. I'm gonna order you, and I'm gonna order this really cute dress, and I have nowhere to go because it makes me feel happy. And I like the outside things in the mail. Listen, I'm the, not going outside. Listen, the outside will be open them. again. The outside will be open again one day, and you can you will be prepared with that cute dress mm-hmm. and shoes. So it'll get used. But until then, you can wear them to the living room. I know. That's what I'd be like. I'm like, that's I think I'm going to dress up and sit on my... I'm probably... I was thinking about doing that tomorrow. I dress up and just sit in front of the living room and pop popcorn and watch something. There you go. And then I went somewhere. There you go. That's all you can do sometimes. But with that, that brings our show to a close. So again, um, mm. where can they find you, Carolyn? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Carrie CNH12 on Instagram, even though I they always say I need to promote on there more. Mm-hmm. And those are my two main platforms. Like right. you can, but mostly on there. You can always find me on Twitter. You can find my work on butwhydo.com. And we have the podcast. You can find my film reviews, interviews that I've been doing for uh, my other interview segment called Carolyn Talks, where recently I spoke to Film Hopkins, who is the founder of the Film Detective, and they do film restoration and distribution for streaming platforms like Hulu, Amazon Prime, Turner Classic Movies. I have also recently spoken to Perlo, who's an animator who worked on Hair Love. And I also, and, and another interview that I did recently was writer, producer, and editor Rachel Harrison Gordon, who directed and wrote Broken Bird, which was a film that was supposed mm-hmm. to show at by Southwest, but unfortunately has not. But it was great into her, and I included a link in. If you go on the on the page, find a link to this short film, and uh, it, it's great. It's a great film that I recommend any for anyone to watch. Um, it's a short film. It's about thirteen minutes long, and those are the three re- most recent interviews that I did. And I also spoke to Tina Lifford for um, Africa. We did a, a virtual roundtable. Who t- so Tina Lifford plays Vi on Queen Sugar. Mm. and that one is on YouTube I'm going to have to provide a link for that I, um, I'm going to provide a link for that yeah we can put it on the, the page or when we do the tweet and so that one's YouTube you can find out the Africa um, page on YouTube so that's African American Film Criticism and there might be a couple more coming out soon we have to get confirmation for those and I think that's it for me and what about you Anisha where can they find you what have you been up to y'all can find me at Twitter also it's at LA underscore NUI underscore SHA and again yeah come to me with for manga or anime recommendations or if you're looking for manga reviews I've got honestly a bunch right now um that are on the website at thewhythopodcast.com so yeah go check them out there and what else have I been up to yeah just honestly that 
<laughs> but oh, also you can follow us the show at shwh underscore pod, uh, where we love to interact with people. And yeah, I mean, especially now, tell us what y'all are watching and reading and doing during this time. Um, I think it'd be people can if you're looking for recommendations, maybe me and Carolyn can help you out. Oh, and then Carolyn, before we forget, we have one small announcement. Well, yeah, small. Um, for those who do not know, the net, the new Issa Rae movie is coming out this month on Netflix. I believe it's May 22nd. It is called Lovebirds. This was another film that was supposed to air at South by Southwest that I was very looking forward to covering, but... <laughs> There, but we are fortunate enough that it is going to be released on Netflix. And Carolyn and I are planning to do a live discussion after the film. So we're going to watch it and then we're going to have a live discussion. It'll be a bonus episode for the podcast, but we will let you guys know where. We're deciding right now if it's going to be on Instagram. But we would love for people to show up and join us. And y'all can share your thoughts about Lovebirds. Yes. So everyone, so yeah, that's I think that's it for us. Yep, that is it for us. So just keep an eye out for that and we'll keep y'all up to date. So with that, bye. All right. Bye. Stay safe, everyone. Perfect.